Whatever you do, work at it with all your hearts, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So we are, uh, we are talking about work today. Have you ever noticed how completely and utterly work is a part of our identity? I want to give you an example. When I was young enough, if you'd asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have told you I had great ambitions. I wanted to be a teenage mutant ninja turtle. If you'd asked me a little bit later, I wanted to be a karate teacher. And while that was pretty steady for for many years, I had some other things I wanted to do. I was one of those kids that if you asked, what do you want to be? I didn't list one profession. I I listed multiple professions. At some point in junior high, I said I wanted to be a psychologist. Now, I don't really want to talk about what could possibly be going on in the head of a sixth grader to make them want to be a psychologist, but that is what I would say. A little bit later, I wanted to be a poet. Praise God, I was talked out of that. I'm not very good at that. But that was always alongside being a karate teacher, and then that desire stayed until I came to the Lord and wanted to be a pastor. How about you? When you were young, or maybe you're still pretty young, what did you want to be when you grew up? That's not rhetorical. I'd love to hear from some of you. What did you want to be when you were young, when you grew up? Anybody? A princess. Very good. A what? A veterinarian. Anybody else? Nobody else wanted to be anything when they grew up. People would ask you that question and you just said, retired. No, no. Anyone else? Oh, many veterinarians. A teacher. So it's, it's so interesting. As I've thought about this, I've realized something pretty odd. It's crazy that we don't ask children what they want to do when they grow up. We ask them what they want to be. And then we expect to hear about a profession. Now, there's a whole sermon about our identity being in our career and whether or not that is a good thing. But but today, I just wanted to point it out to say this. Our work has an incredibly profound effect on our lives. But if you've ever thought about it, work is actually pretty strange. If you ask the the average person why they work, they'll probably say that it's the only way for them to get certain things, right? There are some very important things that we don't get if we don't work. For example, money to pay rent with or money to buy food with. Those are pretty important things. And hear me, those are not bad reasons. Getting, being able to, to get stuff is not a bad reason to go to work. Stuff in and of itself isn't bad. Falling in love with stuff, being, making material things an idol is bad, but material stuff on its own isn't bad. As an example, some of you have noticed in the past couple of months I've been driving around a different car. Uh, my dad passed recently, and he had a wonderful, nice, white convertible 
um, Toyota, and I have, I have been blessed with that as an inheritance. It's a little odd to be a pastor and to drive around town in a, in a convertible, but not so odd that I'm not doing it. <laughs> but uh, 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 the stuff isn't bad on its own, right? It's, the, it's when that stuff becomes an idol that it can be bad. So that's not a bad answer about work, but we shouldn't be, we shouldn't work because of what we get out of it. Instead, we should see work as an essential part of our worship. Now, there are, uh, there are different kinds of work. I'm pretty proud of myself. I said worship instead of worship. I don't know how many of you noticed that, but uh, uh, the young adults should all be proud since they badgered me into that change. There are different kinds of work that happen at different times in our life. If you're, when you're a young person, part of your work is to be a student, and that is absolutely work. And it should not be about just getting through school, but actually realizing you're in this place in your life with almost unlimited potential, and the things that you do with your brain will matter for the rest of your life. I didn't start taking school seriously until I was in college. And if I could go back and tell my younger self, yes, there is actually some good happening in these classes. You don't do anything other than just enough to get by in. When, you, when you're a student and you take the time to learn, you're becoming something. You're becoming a learner. You're becoming informed. You're learning how to think and write and read. And those things are important. That work is important. Maybe you're a volunteer, and that seems odd to call being a volunteer work, but if you've ever served in, in, say, the pancake and sausage supper here at Calvary, you know that sometimes being a volunteer really is a lot of work. And you know what? That is okay. That shouldn't be about something we get out of it, but as an act of worship. Worship. Maybe you're a parent, and you're... you're your work is to raise up your child in the Lord, to help them to become the, the most complete and full human being that they can, to realize their potential so that God can use them in incredible ways. Or maybe you're retired, maybe you're a senior adult and you don't have a career anymore and you wonder, what am I supposed to be doing? Well, being you, a person with wisdom, whose heart is completely given over to Jesus that can advise and pray for and mentor. That is work, and it's good, important work, and it also can be an act of worship. Worship. It's going to be hard. I practiced it in everything. Our single-sentence sermon summary this morning is this. God uses your work to love others and also to love you. God uses your work to love others and also to love you. So I want to break this down into three pieces. Why do we work? If it's not just to get stuff, if it's about an act of worship, why do we work? What does that look like? The first one is this. We work because when we work, we are serving Jesus. Our verses this morning are kind of in an odd place to go to. To talk about work. The passage comes from the end of Colossians 3 and specifically comes from the portion about slaves serving their masters. So I really think that we should take a minute and talk about that. A lot of people have wondered about 
how could the Apostle Paul possibly have been a good man if he didn't begin and end this section with the words, all slavery must be done, right? Now, there's a very good reason why Paul didn't just say slavery is bad and it should be over. And it isn't because he thought slavery is a good thing. You see, slavery had been a part of every human civilization in the history of humanity. And it was an integral part of Roman society. The Apostle Paul railing against it would be about as useful as me standing up here and railing against the internal combustion engine. It's not something that's going to go away. Paul doesn't say free all of your slaves, but he does say something else that we should really pay attention to. In the very next verse, in verse 25, we didn't read it this morning, but he says this, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. In other words, both the slave and the master are being told something they've never heard before. Their relationship won't continue as it is into the next world. If a slave's master mistreats them, there will be a reckoning in the next life. That's something God will judge them for. The playing field may not be level now, but one day it will be. And if a slave's owner mistreats them, one day the tables may very well be turned. Also, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, he goes further. He says this, Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, you should do so. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freedman. Similarly, he who was a free man when he was called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. There's not a bigger and or greater endorsement of freedom from slavery than this. In a culture where even some people sold themselves into slavery in order to be able to pay off debts, Paul says, do not do that. And the reason is because you already belong to someone. We belong to Christ. And that's also exactly what Paul says in our passage this morning. Colossians 3.24 ends with this sentence. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's also the reason he tells us to work with all of our heart. Whatever we're doing, whatever it is, being a student, being a parent, at a job, whatever it is, we're to do for him. And that means that we should do it with excellence. So we work because we belong to God. He's our Lord, and he calls us to work. That's one. The second reason we work is this. We work because we are stewards. We are stewards. Now, a steward is someone who manages or who looks after someone else's property. You are a steward of something if you are looking after something that doesn't belong to you. And here's the thing, we're all stewards because everything we have ultimately belongs to God. We are stewards of every single thing in our lives that's been entrusted to us. You're a steward of your stuff, but you're also a steward of your body and your mind. You're a steward of your relationships. You're a steward of all those things because they ultimately belong to God. 
And work, I think this is true. I think work is always a response or a part of stewardship. You work because something you're a steward over requires it. So we're stewards of ourselves. I mentioned earlier that the importance of being a student and to do it well, if you are a young person, that is a time when you are becoming who you're going to be. And it's an incredible, rich, fulfilling, important time, and you should do it well. But that doesn't just end when you leave school. All of us are stewards of the minds God has given us, and he wants them sharp, and he wants them ready, and he wants them to know Scripture. You're a steward of your mind, and you should use it as God has called you to. There's a lot there, but, but we're also stewards of each other. We're stewards of each other. Does that mean that I'm responsible for all of your choices or everything that happens to you? Absolutely not. But it is my job to love my neighbor. I am called to that. I'm called to care about and, and look after you. And you're called to do the same for me. This is one of the reasons why we cannot and should not ever want to escape a call to evangelism as Christians, to sharing our faith to others, because we are stewards over our relationships with others. And if we want them to be eternal relationships, if we want to care for others well, then we need to care about the state of their spirit, the state of their soul, their relationship with the Lord. And we need to care about them enough to be brave and courageous enough to say, can I tell you about something that's very, very important to me? We're also stewards of the world. This was humanity's original calling. Adam and Eve were called to govern, to look after, to be stewards over the world. And when we work, whatever it is, if it's a chore, if it's something as small as doing dishes, we're taking one small part of the world and we're making it Better God uses us to bless others through our work. In any part of the world, doing anything in the world, God uses us to bless others. So, one third reason that we work. We work because we are being made like Jesus. When we work, we are being made like Jesus. Colossians 3.24 says to work with all your heart because or since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Have you ever thought about how God really doesn't need us to work? I mean, we know that, that hard work goes all the way back to the fall, right? You know the story, Adam and Eve sin, and part of the curse is that work is going to be hard. But God could easily give us crops, but he doesn't. He could easily cause things to be just made when we need them or provided when we want them, but, but he doesn't. He wants us to, to work the fields. He wants us to work for the things that we have. Now, we could easily believe that's just about punishment, right? Genesis chapter 3, the reason we work is just a punishment on us, but I don't think that that's it. I don't think that's what God's purpose is at all. You think of it this way. 
on holidays, one of, the, one of my roles, everyone has a role on, on like Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner, those things. So maybe your role is just to eat and then watch football and fall asleep. That's, that's what some people in my family have as their role. Maybe your role is you're the one who cooks and then does dishes. And if that's you, please fix that. Make somebody fix that. You shouldn't have to do both roles. My role with my family is to wash the dishes. One, because I am terrible in the kitchen if I'm making food, and I wouldn't inflict that on anyone. But one thing anyone can do is wash dishes. So that's my job. I try to wash the dishes after the meal. And one of the things that, that was, has been really special is in the last several years, my nephew, who's now 16 and driving soon, anyways... Um, my nephew, who's 16, I have him come and help me with the dishes. We do it together. And he does it willingly. Now, if he didn't, if he stomped his foot or refused, of course, I'd still wash the dishes, right? I'd still, I'd still do it. The dishes would be cleaned. My mother wouldn't have to deal with, uh, with the mess. But, but that's not what I want for him. I don't want him to be uninvolved in the work of the family. I don't want him to be uninvolved in the holiday and the things that go into it and the reward that comes from it. I want him involved in the day. I want to train him. I want him to be part of the family and the things that we do. So I have him do this with me. You see, for me, washing the dishes after a meal is about saying thank you for the food, both to whoever prepared it and to God. And that's, that's, not, that's not a joke, and it's not silly to make dishwashing a devotional act. It's an intentional act of worship. And more than that, when I wash dishes at Thanksgiving or Christmas, I'm taking one small part of the world and I'm making it better. And that blesses others. When I wash those dishes, God uses me to bless my family. When you do that chore or that job, or that thing you don't enjoy that's work, God uses you to bless others. And even something that small, when it's an act of worship, is used by God to transform me, to change me, to make me more like him. I imitate Jesus when I work and serve, because he absolutely came as a servant. We know the story where he gets down on his hands and knees and washes feet. The king and lord and maker of the universe came as a servant. And when we work, when we serve, when we worship God in this way, we imitate him. And God's Holy Spirit within us changes us, makes us more like him through the process. And that's true of every bit of work that you do, whether it's in your job or your studies or at home. Every single act of work, if it's about worship to you, is an opportunity for you to serve the Lord. Now, I'm blessed because I, I love my job. As a pastor, most of the time it's easy to see how the things I do have an impact on the kingdom, perhaps easier than most. For example, preaching a sermon, it's, it's pretty easy for me to see how that has an impact on the kingdom. Maybe with whatever your work is, it's harder. Maybe you don't enjoy it. Maybe you think, what I do doesn't matter, but it does. If you do it as though you're doing it for the Lord, 
He will use it to bless others and to bless you, to love others and to love you. What I want you to hear this morning is that regardless of how old you are or where you are in your life right now, we're called to make every part of work, every opportunity of work, every task an act of worship. And so we should do it with excellence. And God will use it to bless others. He'll love them through us. You've heard me say the Mother Teresa quote I like so much many times, but I'm going to say it again. Mother Teresa used to say, we are pencils in the hand of a loving God writing a love letter to the world. When you work and you make that work an act of worship, you are a pencil in God's hand to say, I love you to the world. And God uses our work to bless us, to change and to sanctify us, to make us more like him. So my challenge for you today is to ask yourself, what is that thing that you have to do? Maybe it's going to school tomorrow. Right? Oh, not tomorrow, we're in summer. Maybe it's going to school in a few weeks, right? And you just dread going to school. Or maybe it's going to your job tomorrow. Or maybe it's going home and you know you have all those things that you didn't have to do this morning because you were going to church, but they're waiting. <laughs> Whatever it is that you have in your life, Whatever work you have to do, being a parent, being a spouse, I want to encourage you to do it as though you're doing it for the Lord, to make it an act of worship, to see how he loves others through it, and to see how he changes you in the midst of it. And I believe that if we could do that, if we could all do that over and over again, as a holy habit of the heart, we would never see the end of the blessings that come from it, that come from our work. Please pray with me. Father God, we come before you thankful for blessings. You are amazing, Father. And we ask today, Lord, all the things that are required of us, they're things that are exciting and fun, and things that are hard and exhausting. There are things that we sometimes feel like we don't have the patience for, but Lord, we know that you do. And if we rest in you, we can find it. Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see everything that's required of us. Every act of work is an opportunity to worship you as our Lord and Savior. We praise you for the things you've made us stewards over, and we ask that you would help us to work at them in a way that brings glory and honor to you. We love you. We praise you this morning. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Stand, and we're going to be singing number 452. If you'd like to follow along in the hymnal, make me a blessing. 452.
And so may we be diligent and obedient and excellent co-laborers with God, servants of Christ, in his mission to renew and mend the world. In the love of God our Father, and the grace of Jesus Christ our Savior, and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our generous gift giver. Amen.